0: This year's bushfire season in Australia, which typically occurs between September and May, is expected to be the worst season since the black summer fires of 2019 and 2020. Increased levels of rainfall prompted by La Niña has led to increased vegetation growth, resulting in greater fuel loads for fires. This, coupled with the prolonged effects of climate change and the forecast El Niño phenomenon, will create favourable conditions for bushfires. In this episode, we are offering advice to help keep you and your employees safe during Australia's bushfire season. Hello and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading health and security risk services company. I'm Natasha McManus. Joining me to discuss bushfire season and its health and security implications on today's episode is International SOS's Medical Director for Information and Analysis, Dr. Irene Lai and Senior Security Specialist Jack Eddy. Okay, so thank you for joining me, Jack. What's your team expecting for this year's bushfire season?
1: Natasha, as you touched on, we are expecting a very severe bushfire season for Australia, potentially the worst we've seen since the infamous black summer of 2019 and 2020. Um, During that season, there was 240,000 square kilometers burnt. And if past as prologue, we're looking at tens of thousands to maybe even hundreds of thousands square kilometers this year as well. Those oceanic phenomenons that you mentioned, the back-to-back-to-back La Nina, followed by a hot and dry El Nino this year. All that lush vegetation Mm -hmm. that was grown over the last three years, now that's fuel. And uh, we are expecting a lot of fires with wide reach this year as a result. The states that we are expecting the highest impact in, Queensland probably has our bleakest outlook, as well as New South Wales and Northern Territory. Both of those have large swaths of land under high alert. Notably, the cities of Brisbane and Sydney fit in those zones and are uh, right in the middle of what is being characterized as a high fire threat area.
0: And as this year is expected to be the worst season since the Black Summer fires of 2019 and 2020, what does this mean for people on the ground?
1: Bushfires in Australia have a wide range of impacts. Of course, the most concerning is the direct impact the threat to life and property mm-hmm. and we will see some select few unfortunate people have to deal with that where they are under evacuation orders due to a dangerous and approaching wildfire now for the majority of people coming into australia they will have to deal with the indirect impacts of bushfires this season so by that i mean the road closures flight delays or flight cancellations, power outages, water outages, and uh, smoke coming over the cities.
0: Okay, thanks for the moment, Jack. I'd like to bring in Dr. Irene Lai to talk about some of the medical implications that smoke from bushfires can have on people living nearby. So, Irene, what should we be aware of? Well,
2: they're, they're similar to the health effects of air pollution. Bushfire smoke is very much a type of air pollution Mm -hmm. and the components of bushfire smoke are similar to what you will see in certain types of air pollution as well. And so it can come from the gases that are produced but also from the particulate matter that is released and the smaller the particles the more damaging it is to the lungs and potential long-term consequences of those particles. And so immediate effects are things like Irritation, which everybody gets. And it's sore throat, itchy eyes, painful eyes. When the air quality conditions are really bad, which we suffered through in, was it 2019? 2019. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could see the pollution when you walked out just here in Sydney. It was a red sky. And as mm-hmm. soon as you walked out the door, you could smell the bushfire and... Some people would experience a headache. Almost everybody was getting headaches at that point. And so they're the kind of immediate effects which wear off quickly as soon as you're in an area with better air quality. Longer term, there are potential consequences on your lung function, on your cardiac function, and over a longer period of exposure. And for those who are more vulnerable, there are ongoing health issues, you know, so permanent lung damage. And particularly children may be susceptible to this. But what we don't know is at what level of exposure and how long the exposure goes on Mm -hmm. um, that somebody might develop these longer-term health conditions. And um, there is no dose response, for example. So, you know, we, we couldn't say at these many days at this level of smoke levels or particulate matter exposure, then this condition will result. And then, of course, there are mental health issues. In the initial bushfire incident, obviously people are very stressed and are struggling to process what's going on. But longer term, there might be quite a large impact across a broader population who were not directly affected But as you can see, the aftermath of the bushfires, that mental health issues can be quite a long-term and ongoing situation.
0: And I guess, having spoken about these different medical implications, how can people protect themselves? Are there preventative health measures that can be taken in the lead-up to bushfire season, particularly for those who are a little bit more vulnerable?
2: Yes, indeed. And I think people who have lived in Australia and are used to this every year, every season, know what those things are. So it is being prepared. And it's preparing your home and having the equipment that you might need. And so it's quite common these days to have air filters, air purifiers, have air conditioning that has that function built in, so HEPA filters in your air conditioning, making sure that your air handling systems are serviced. It is thinking about whether you are going to need things to protect your airways, basically respirators. And um, at times of really severe air pollution and bushfire smoke, people who are more vulnerable might even want to consider something like a, a gas mask. Now, people who do have airway trouble can be exacerbated by wearing certain types of masks so they will need to have this the type of mask checked out with their doctor and get a clearance to use those and making sure that you have enough of your essential equipment in the event that you're cut off from medical services so things like do you have enough of your medications to get you through a couple of days do you have the power that's needed for some of your medical equipment and uh, whatever you need to, on a daily basis, having extra supplies.
0: Thanks, Irene. So Jack, how concerned should people living in major urban centers like Sydney, Brisbane, or Melbourne be about this year's bushfires?
2: So we know that a lot
1: of our clients are going to have workforce in the urban core of places like Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, and Perth. Mm-hmm. If they are in the center of these cities, they stand a very small, small chance of directly having to confront or deal with the bushfires. But now that International SOS has a workforce resilience approach, and we've changed our model to support all those who work and reside in Australia, we do have clients who uh, have properties and personnel in the peri-urban areas of these metropolitans. And I'll elaborate a little bit on peri-urban. These are, of course, the areas that are the interface between urban development and wildlands. So on the periphery of cities like Sydney and Brisbane, there are communities that are under threat by these bushfires and and we see it here in Sydney, there are high value properties that stretch up into the hills of some of these national parks and, and there are some of the structures that are of highest vulnerability this bushfire season.
0: Given that bushfires have this range of impacts, what will your team be monitoring for this season?
1: Our team will be monitoring for, of course, any fires that are approaching urban areas. So, of course, that's the major cities, but it's also some of the smaller coastal towns or those that lie in between some of the major urban centers. We'll be looking at the intercity routes and whether any highways have been closed due to bushfires. Mm -hmm. We'll be looking at power outages, water outages, things like that, especially any that are long lasting and protracted and and have an impact on a lot of people. Finally, we'll be looking at flight cancellations. That's of course a real possibility. We saw in 2019 that Canberra Airport had to briefly suspend operations due to an approaching fire. So we wanna make sure that we're capturing all these impacts and putting out quick and effective alerts out to all of our people.
0: What are the most challenging aspects of your intelligence gathering and how are these challenges being met?
1: One of the greatest challenges is trying to make things as close to real time as possible. Fires are dynamic. They are quickly igniting and spreading and then being contained. So we have to stay very, very up to date with our information or else we've got declining utility on these alerts with each passing minute. So we are trying to get ahead of that by using things like satellite imagery and infrared. And then ourselves and Australian authorities both are making more use of AI and projection models to try to predict which way fires are going to spread and how quickly so that we can determine whether or not you are going to be in harm's way and give an educated guess as to where this fire is going next.
0: And can people get information specific to their own situation?
1: Of course. That's where our assistance team comes in. So you can call us 24-7 to ask about anything that's going on in your area. When you wake up and see that there's smoke somewhere. Uh, You may be wondering, is that fire close to me? Did it just start? Am I okay to be here? Am I okay to do the drive that I was planning today? Natasha, you and I are in Sydney right now. Did you notice the smoke that rolled in over the city this morning? I did. Well, that was from controlled burns that were taking place on the outskirts of Sydney. But somebody who's not from here and has just woken up to see the smoke hanging in the air they may be wondering oh is there a fire around here that i need to be worried about and we can provide that answer to them as quickly as they can pick up the phone so we want to make sure that we're the eye in the sky that's able to provide information that's pertinent to them say they need to make a drive from brisbane up to noosa for a conference and they need to know whether or not that route has any fires near it And that's something that we can try to answer for them as well. As you're driving through the rural parts of Australia, you'll see signs that will tell you the level of fire alert based off of the level of humidity, the heat, the wind speeds that day. But what does that really mean for people? And do I need to cancel my drive? And that's where the analysis of our team and and us on the assistance line are able to fill in. Uh, And maybe give some insight on whether or not you should adjust plans.
0: And what key advice do you have for people in vulnerable areas? Is there anything you'd really like to get across to our listeners?
1: Natasha, the bottom line is don't wait. Act quickly. The people who have the most unfortunate outcomes when it comes to approaching bushfires are the people who wait until the last minute to evacuate. Okay, Surprisingly, you'd actually have better chances if you stayed and protected your property. Now, we're not advising that for the workforce in Australia. We are saying to get out, but it's those who wait until, frankly, it's too late. So we want people to be proactive. People often underestimate the speed of these fires. A bushfire at full force can travel at 20 kilometers an hour. That's 12 miles an hour. And people also don't totally understand bushfire behavior, the way that they can move. Uh, Surprisingly, when they come to a large barrier, like a a double highway, they can jump it. Uh, Bushfires through embers or pure radiating heat are able to go across barriers like that. They're also able to change direction very quickly due to new winds that come in, new pressure fronts. So... We want people to play it on the safe side and make sure that they get out. And along the lines of being proactive about that sort of thing, we want people to have a go bag ready if they are in one of these very vulnerable areas, be it a small town or perhaps in one of the peri-urban communities of these cities. So a uh, go bag is gonna have something like three days worth of non-perishable food, three liters of water for each person, medicine, first aid, a map with evacuation routes, a torch with batteries. Uh, Torch being very important, of course, because people underestimate how dark it can can get when smoke fills the sky. It makes visibility very difficult and disorienting. So we wanna make sure people are ready to act quickly if need be.
0: Okay, thanks very much, Jack, and also to you, Irene, for all of your help and advice.
1: Thank you, Natasha.
0: Thanks, Natasha. That's all for now, but just a reminder, you'll be able to access the latest information and updates, including our detailed analysis of the bushfire season in our recent insight report from our website, internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out more about our global network of assistance centres available to clients 24-7. Until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye.